Welcome to the Working with India podcast, conversations to help cross-cultural managers deepen their understanding of India, produced by learningindia.in. Today's episode is with Patrick DeRitter, owner of Knight Consulting, a company based in Ahmedabad that helps European companies set up in India. Patrick has over 17 years of experience as an outsider in India and has some fantastic stories and lessons to share with us. We will talk about what types of business people aren't ready for India yet, how to achieve your ideal personal professional time balance, and the best way to overcome the time is eternal aspect of India. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Working with India podcast. Today, our guest is Patrick, who's coming to us from Ahmedabad. Hello, Patrick. How are you? Hi, Neil. I'm fine. Thank you. Excellent. Patrick, you have the distinction of being the, the guest with the longest tenure in India for me. You've, you've been there <laughs> since 97, right? Yeah, I came uh, here from, I'm originally from Belgium, uh, uh-huh. from Antwerp. I came here in 97 to Ahmedabad in Gujarat. Uh-huh. And I've been living here since. Yeah, wow. I think I went back maybe five or six times uh, in that time for uh, a stay back in the home country. Wow, wow. So you're very established there in Ahmedabad, right? Yeah, most people uh, call me half Gujarati. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so give us a little bit of background. What's what's the short version of the story of how you got there? Okay. Um, well, I finished my studies in Belgium in comparative religion, and I specialized over there my MA in Indian religions and philosophy. And after that, I got the opportunity to study in London in the School of Oriental and African Studies. But I uh, kindly declined because I thought, like, I want to specialize in uh, Indian philosophy and religions. I'd better do that in India. I don't want to be one of those couch philosophers who's never been there. Mm -hmm. So I booked my one-way ticket, and yeah, the rest is history. I finished my studies over here. I liked it that much, and now it's a completely different situation. Then it was quite difficult. Um, and I stayed, so I did whatever was necessary to stay, and yeah, I haven't been looking back. That's great. Now, we're, we're going to talk a lot about you know business culture and different things, mm-hmm. but, but how much does your, your background in comparative religion and Indian philosophy, how does that kind of impact your, your day-to-day life even now today? Oh, every day. Um, many, many people, when they hear that I've studied their religion and their philosophy, they want to talk about it. So it's always a good icebreaker to talk a lot about of things. Um, it also allows me to put things more in a perspective. And since I deal with many engineers and inventors, it also gives me a different way to look and, in a way, think out of the box. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been very helpful to have done that. I never thought that I would turn into business. My parents neither. <laughs> they thought that I would be a librarian and writing stuffy books about philosophy. And yeah. here I am running a, a quite successful business. Wow. Oh, so, yeah. Wouldn't well, have expected that. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about Ahmedabad because you, like, like you've said on your website, um, most people think about, you know, big metros, Delhi, Mumbai, um, different places when they come to India. But, mm-hmm. but you're, you're in a, a city that's, you know, very large, but doesn't get as much press as the other ones. So tell us a little bit about it. Well, yeah, indeed. Uh, Ahmedabad is, uh, at this moment, I think, uh, officially six million people. So that's like uh, almost the whole half of Belgium hmm. uh, in a city alone. Um it's it changed uh when i came over here the people were running around with a pager and that's about it now we buy uh, the subject the vegetables through the internet or, or through mobile phones so it, it quite changed um i saw a lot of political and infrastructural changes but in a way what i liked from in the beginning which is still over here 
is that while the Gujarati is known as the businessman of India, mm-hmm. uh, everything turns around the danda, the business. I also recognize something that I had from Antwerp, which is in a way it's it's a provincial city. People still have time for each other. Uh, not everybody is running the rat race over here, although mm. business is good and business is cutthroat in some ways. Um, time is still taken and time is still spent. And that's something that I missed in cities like Delhi and Mumbai. And what is for me still the charm of, of Ahmedabad. So was it was a conscious choice to to stay there? You had opportunities to move to other places, but you felt like that's that's where you wanted to be? Yeah, yeah. I tried uh, a while. I even went to Bangalore. Uh, but yeah, I liked the late back, the Chelsea attitude of the Gujaratis. And yeah, most of my network, most of my friends were over here. So yeah, it was actually a logical choice to stay over here. Definitely, since I went into business and business consulting, um, I still believe that the business is here in Gujarat uh, for the whole of India, in a way. Nice. Okay, so so let's go into business uh, for a little mm-hmm. bit. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, <laughs> why are you not a librarian now? What, the, what <laughs> What's your current job? What do you do? Uh, at this moment, I have a small consultancy agency. We're around 10 uh, people, staff, and we help European companies uh, yeah, who want to set shop up over here mm-hmm. um, because of the languages that's mainly Dutch and Belgian and French companies mm-hmm. uh, or entrepreneurs. Um, and we help them from their market entry. Uh, is there a place for their product or services to uh, developing the market entry strategy? Do you need dealers? Do you need stockists? Uh, we also help them with incorporation. Um, we help uh, companies set up factories over here as well. So, yeah, it's uh, a consultancy, a one-stop solution, actually, where we help uh, the right people find the right people over here to, to do business, to do the danda. Yeah. Now, have you ever encountered a business coming from Europe that you, you just feel is not ready for India or is, is kind of jumping the gun in that way? Mm, a business, uh, not really. Um, people, yes. Uh, I do meet people and yeah, that's where actually I think I'm a little bit different than other consultants here. I do say no. Some people, I believe, are not ready for India. Um, I advise them to travel around more or learn more about India, read a book or two, come a couple of times more and change their outlook and their attitudes. This is not a country to do hit-and-run business. Uh, you can't just come and push your products. That doesn't work. So those people, in whatever sector it is, uh, that's not people that I want to help out. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's, that's really important because, you know, so many, like you said, other consultants just, okay, if there's work to do, you just do it. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, to really consult and to advise people, a lot of times the best thing they can say is, you know, you're, you're not quite ready for a country like this yet. Yeah, many people in, in Europe still think yeah, India is a big market. Uh, I have to be over there. Mm. Um, what they don't understand is that here in India, in many cases, uh, people don't like the push. Uh, they like to have a pull. The, the demand, the question needs to come from India before your product will be accepted. You, yeah, you need to do a lot of market uh, awareness creation, and then people need to ask for your product. You can't just go and push it. Yeah. Uh, One thing, again, that brings me back to Gujarat and why I like it, um, new products here in Gujarat uh, have a big possibility to be accepted because a Gujarati will always give you at least one chance. 
Yeah, he'll try it out. Whatever, how weird it is, he'll try it out. <laughs> yeah, if he doesn't like it, he'll tell you in your face, uh, very directly. If he knows you well, uh-huh. uh, otherwise a little bit more, yeah, uh, formal, uh, or not saying anything. But they'll give you your chance, and that is something that I didn't see in many other states. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah. Now you said you're a, you're a one-stop shop when it comes to you know helping companies set in. So does that include mm-hmm. both uh, public sector and private sector type work? Uh, most of the companies that I help are uh, private sectors, but of course we do need to get in contact with the uh, government over here and, and government sectors. So my work is mostly a mix between the two. So we do have to go to the Sachiwalas, we do have to go to the government offices, uh, talk to the AIS officers, uh, get permissions for all the buildings, uh, for the factories. So yeah, that's that's part of it. Yeah, so so tell us a little bit more about that that side of things. What is, what is it like to work with with government? <laughs> well, actually, uh, government is 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 good. I think at this moment, um, many people that I meet in government in the IAS uh, are very um, learned people, educated people. And just in case people don't know, I, IAS is Indian Administrative Services, right? Yeah, that's uh, Administrative Services. That's normally uh, the, the administration where that's the ones that you meet. Yeah, You don't go immediately to the minister, but you meet people below. And those are people that are pretty well educated. They at least have an MBA. They've been outside. They've been training. Their family has probably been outside. So it's it's quite a pleasure to work with them. And they're all about business as well. So while in the early years you had to spend a lot of time, uh, now if I go to the government, uh, Gujarat government, uh, within half an hour I have my appointment and I'm sitting inside. Yeah, mm-hmm. And sometimes it goes really quick. Yeah, I remember a time when we were sitting for uh, permission in uh, uh, a special economical zone for a factory. I think that was an Italian factory. Um, we were told that we would get 15 minutes to pitch, and we are sitting there with a lot of international companies. Um, and when we finally got in, we are like, okay, you got two minutes. Uh, why do you need your land? Who are you? And how much do you need? <laughs> so, yeah, the, we, got, we got the land. It was actually quite funny how we got it. Um, I asked for double the size that I needed because I know that they play around a little bit. Um, that was for a uh, company that makes uh, car parts. So the only question that that uh, officer asked me was like, yeah, why do you need double the size for your factory site? Uh, I told him like, yeah, see, at this moment, the company is already working for Land Rover. And as you know, Land Rover is Tata. Yeah. And it's in San and that's where the Tata, f- Tata factory is. I'm like, I hope within two years to crack uh, Tata as well and start producing for them here in India. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good one, good one, good one. And I got a signature and the stamp that I needed. The sticker was given within five minutes. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's fun to work with. Where I do face problems is uh, the bureaucracy of more the, the banks nowadays. I, I even say that banks for me are the new Sarkar, the new government. Um, government in many places in India uh, are known to or were known to postpone things and never take responsibility and just uh, file your file to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. I see that now happening with banks who are mm-hmm. hiding behind uh, RBI regulations, um, who are yeah, sending people on the market uh, to talk to you as you really, um, what is it, uh, relationship manager, but who are 
yeah, just coming to marketing their products without knowing what is possible. Uh, barely any follow-up documents that uh, you need that don't come. Mm -hmm. If I ask uh, a government officer that I need to have a paper within two days, I have the email, the confirmation mm -hmm. that the documents have been sent. So it is, there's a huge shift over there that I see from yeah, 1997 to where we are now in 2015. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's great to know that uh, the government has, has done so much and becoming much more efficient in those ways and very easy to work with. Yeah, I don't know if it is uh, the, the modified uh, way of doing government. <laughs> I do believe that he had something to do with it because, after all, Modi has been running the state here for many, many years and he did have his impact. Yeah, uh, I remember in the beginning with uh, Shankar Singh Vagela, it was a little bit different then. Mm. Yeah? Wow. So tell us a little bit about um, the negotiation factor. You talked about asking for double uh, of, of, for the land value and everything like that. But what are some uh, typical struggles you see between European tactics and Indian tactics? Mm, well, the way of communication is completely different. Uh, if, if you look, for example, many of my, my clients are Dutch. That's a completely different culture. That's a culture that is very direct, uh, very feminine, um, very egalitarian. And I had uh, a client once, um, he's not a big player, but he's a player in the um, uh, formula, milk powder, baby milk powder. Okay. And he had an appointment over here with one of the largest pharma companies um, to start doing business. Yeah? So he asked me to join him. He made the appointment, so he asked me to join him and sit next to him and, and, and help him out with the negotiations. And he came in, and uh, opposite him was the uh, VP of uh, Sales and Marketing and the uh, VP of uh, International Development. Yeah? And my Dutch person is an older man. He's around 60, 65, close to retirement age, but very enthusiastic. He only brought his uh, inventor of the formula, uh, a chemist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, he starts talking, and he's very enthusiastic, and he's, he gets up and he bangs the table, and he's getting red in his face, and he loved this product so much. He was like, "Yeah, uh, within two years, we'll get Nestle out of the market. We'll take over the market share. We'll and bright, voluminous, uh, yeah." And I saw the Indian. Uh, party withdrawing more and more into themselves even physically the chairs were pulled more away from the table the arms started to get crossed and that person was completely oblivious to it hmm. yeah uh, what i also heard was yeah they asked regularly like where is the proposal and he's like yeah but the proposal is that we work together <laughs> and they kept repeating where is the proposal yeah. Now, after the meeting is finished, this guy like, oh, that was being a good meeting. Yeah. And the Indian party, they came to me and they're like, yeah, where's the proposal? Because we need to show our CEO what has been going on over here. He didn't give a presentation. We don't have any paper work. Now, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's they have been actually sitting opposite each other, but talking next to each other for for 45 minutes. And I'm afraid that even at this moment, the negotiations are still on. But no decision has been taken because it, there's such a mismatch between the yeah the culture and the understanding is very difficult between these parties. Yeah, yeah I, I find in in my work that 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 match is very important, not yeah. just in terms of you know business goals, but in terms of yeah. just cultural goals. You know, uh, do do they feel like they they have a common way of doing business, a common way of communicating? That's yeah. as much important as the business side of things. 
Yeah. Well, in communication over here, I also try to explain in many cases, it's more than just what you say. It's also what you do. It's also how you dress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, one person that we helped out, uh, he came here for seven years and never did business. And then he asked our help. And now his products are represented in, I think, uh, 20, uh, 20 states here, here in, in, in India. Um, he never got a deal, but I took him once and, yeah, he came and sat in his t-shirt and his jeans. Hmm. And I told him later, like, yeah, at least you could have worn a shirt. Yeah, you don't have to wear a tie or a suit, but at least wear normal dressed pants, wear shoes, and wear a shirt. Yeah, he says, why do I have to do the CEO opposite was having a T-shirt? I'm also a CEO. Why can't I have the T-shirt? I'm like, because you're the asking party. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you ask for the business. He needs to give it or not give it. You're in a completely different positions. And for a Dutch person, that is very difficult to understand. So it's it's more than just yeah what you say or how you say it, but it's also how you behave and yeah. Do you accept the tea that they offer or do you say no? I can't have it. That that that's it's yeah you know, it's finer. You need to say to the German word uh, fingerspitzengefühl that feeling in your fingers what is going on. And that takes years to develop, I'm afraid. Hmm. Wow. So you have your own company there. You, you've set everything yeah. up. Um, yeah. But it, it's been, you know, 18 years or so in the, in the mm -hmm. making of, of getting to the point where you are now. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that listen to this, you know, they think about maybe setting up their own thing in India. They, they think about, okay, how can I have a, a good life while I do that? Why don't you give a few um, ideas about... What are some best practices you found in terms of setting up your own personal life to, to be best in, in your work life too? Um, hmm. uh, first of all, uh, I only incorporated in 2006. So at that time, it was still necessary to have a partner. And it took me long to find the correct partner. Hmm. Now you can go it alone uh, completely if you want. Uh, it's been it's one of the best things that I ever did. Uh, my main reason to to incorporate myself was to be independent. Before I used to work for other young people, and there was always that that source above my head, like yeah, if we don't like you, we'll talk to the police, and you'll be be, be sent back home. Yeah, within seven days. So that was for me the, the the main reason to start my own, sign my own employment contracts, and stay over here for a longer time. Um, in the beginning, it was. Uh, quite chaotic. Um, I had issues with timing, with, with getting work done. And now I have developed a routine where in the morning, everybody in my uh, company knows, in the morning, uh, leave me alone. Um, in the afternoon, that's open for, for meetings mm -hmm. so that I get at least things out of the way. Um, in the afternoon too, that's in, as I say over here, second half, um, I book maximum two meetings uh, in a day. Um, why? Because not because the meetings take so long, but it allows me the time to interact rather than just negotiate or discuss. And that's uh, majorly appreciated over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do take the time to uh, drink the tea. I do talk about books. I do talk about the politics. Uh, I do talk about the family before we even start talking about the, the business, the danda. Yeah. And that's very important. Um, the reason is, and, and that's what makes it a bit difficult for me and why it was chaotic in the beginning, is that um, where I come from in Belgium, there's a, a, a big difference between working time and private time. And, and here, that's not there. 
um, it's a lot more diffuse. Um, I, yeah, like I say, uh, you bring your phone home, you bring your work home. Uh, people over here will call me on Sunday, and I see that as a sign that they respect me and that I'm part of their group. There is nothing that stops them to call them. They don't see me just as a business contact, so nine to five. So that helps. Yeah, but that also makes sure uh, for the problem that yeah, where do you fit in your own work? Because after all, you still have things to do, proposals to write, so the reports to write, documents to write. So that's why I blocked off my my first part of the day. Yeah, yeah? I think that that's great uh, practice. You say. Yeah. Um, so do you find that you 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 tend probably to work more hours than you, <laughs> than you would uh, like to, but the the hours are kind of spread out and they're half personal, half work anyway, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, I um I I am a philo over here. I'm first in, last out, <laughs> uh, which is unlike most Indian bosses. They are the first one, the last ones to come in, and the first ones to go out. But yeah, um, I do work a lot more hours, but. For me now too, business and pleasure is mixed. The the afternoon meetings are something to look forward to, not always, but in many cases something to look forward to, and are yeah can even be a, a point of quiet in, in in my day, while my personal getting the work done is is a lot more hectic. So yeah, more hours, but but a different way of working. Uh, in Belgium, it's a lot more high pressure, nine to five, ten to six. Your job is done, or you make over hours. Um, yeah, here that's different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do try to keep at least one day for the family. Um, that's mainly my Sunday, and that's appreciated over here too. That's also the tradition. Uh, don't ask people to come for meetings here on Sunday. Sunday is family day. Uh, not that there's a lot to do with your family here in Gujarat. Um, but that's the time to go out for dinner or for a movie and show. Yeah. So that's what we all do then. Nice. Nice. Now you say you have a, a team of about 10 people, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, any tips you can give about, you know, how to build that team? I'm, I'm sure by this point, you know, you're really, um, satisfied with, with, with how you're working, but you know, any, anything you can share with us about <laughs> the, the best way to, to build that team, to manage that team, um, and to really work well. It's like a bonsai tree. <laughs> <laughs> you need to give it time. You need to constantly uh, 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 care for it. You need to trim it. You need to prune it. it it's it's not easy, but it's very rewarding. Um, one of the main things that I had to learn was to also make time for the personal part. I, from being more like a project manager, I'm now more a people manager. You have to understand what's going on with the kids. You have to understand the casual leaves that need to be taken. Uh, you have to understand that people will be late for half another hour because mom needs to go to the hospital or yeah, a close relative who is an actually in European way third removed or something expired. You have to take that into account. Um, I think what's changed for most of my staff, uh, the way they look at me, is because yeah, I'm one of them. Uh, I'm here constantly. I don't fly up and down. I don't try to manage by Skype. And yeah, I try to keep my meetings uh, short and to the point. Yeah, That also reflects in the way I communicate. Um, I communicate um, a lot more to the point. Uh, I ask a lot more questions so that they can come up with their own answers. I also know how to go into a meeting that is already prepped. Yeah, so you already talk to people before the meeting starts what is actually going on. Right, and right. then afterwards you ask the questions if they really get because you are in a big group with a big meeting, you always get the consensus thinking. So that that also that's something that I learned. And 
Yeah, my attrition rates are very, very, very low. Yeah. Well, that's great. Not not many companies can say that in India. So no, no, no. Yeah. That's also what I help Indian companies with to to train their people to make sure that they don't uh, lose so many people. Uh, the last one that I set up, for example, is a Belgian company. It's an IT company, and the original people that were hired are still over there, and we are more than a year down the line. Uh, within IT, that's that's very strange. But you need to create an environment where people understand. Okay, this is not just uh, an MNC, but this is an MNC with an Indian heart who understands how it works over here. Who understands that I can't put my mobile away. I can't put my Facebook down because if I do, I I commit social suicide. And that is something that needs to be understood and needs to be given a place. Yeah, it's not okay. I allow it for everything, but it needs to be given a place. And I think that's something that yeah, takes time and, and, and effort to explain over and over and over till it becomes yeah, second nature for, for everybody. Nice. I know in, in my home culture in the U.S. and in Europe as well, one thing in communication is always sarcasm that comes out that I, I find <laughs> is, uh, you know, for us, we, we think it's funny um, to, to say one thing and mean it the opposite, but uh, yeah. here it, it's, it's very difficult. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yeah, um, I used a lot of sarcasm. Um, I had what I call myself a little bit of a foot in mouth disease. <laughs> um, uh, and see, it's, it's, it's actually a defense mechanism. You try to make something funny that is actually hurting you. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, I thought, like, they don't get it. Um, but actually, I didn't get it. They, they get it pretty, they, 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 they realize it's quite quickly what you mean. But they are so used to hide their real emotions because, yeah, after all, you're still a foreigner, you're still an unknown. Uh, so they hide their reaction a little bit more. And I finally started realizing that the sarcasm that I used said actually more about me than about the problem and the experiences that that, that I tried to convey. So I stopped doing that. I became a lot more, yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea, let it all go, mm. which is still, according to my friends, uh, the most funniest thing. If they look back from yeah, 97, where I was uh, uptight Belgian to, to where I am now. Yeah? So that's been a watershed changed for me to, to realize that, yeah, uh, it's not because they don't laugh about your job that they, they don't get it. They, they, they do know sarcasm. They do know irony. Uh, they have an excellent uh, sense of humor. Um, but it's, it's, it's different from what I know as, as European. Uh, and yeah, you have to be careful when to use it and whom to use it. Yeah. I still can be sarcastic with my friends, but I will use it a lot less now in business environment or just with my daily interactions. Yeah, nice. I, I'm uh, one project I'm, I'm working on is a lot of uh, putting together some content, some communication mm-hmm. pieces mm-hmm. for Indian company that's working with the US. And, uh, mm-hmm. Um, it's very interesting to, to see the, the types of humor that one person gets or one person doesn't get or one person appreciates and one person doesn't appreciate um, yeah. about what that means. That's a very, very dangerous path to walk down sometimes. Uh, yeah. So I find that to be very uh, a struggle and hard sometimes. Yeah, well, I think also because, first of all, uh, we don't really understand language. We, we might speak Hindi and Gujarati a bit, but that's not the same thing as understanding language. And m- jokes is always about intertextuality. It's about, yeah, the culture, the background. Um, that doesn't mean that I will get it. Uh, expressions are different. Uh, mm-hmm. The puns, yeah, are sometimes badly uh, translated, but but 
are understood by, by, by the Gujaratis themselves because they immediately translate it back in Gujarati and they, they see the joke or they understand the proverb that their parents have been uh, telling them or they put it back to the Amarchitra Kata that they read <laughs> when they were young and, and that's very difficult to get into but, but it's there. Uh, we have great fun and yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Just to explain to one once you tell everyone what the Amarchitra Kata is. <laughs> they're comic books. They're the Indian comic books. They're yeah. the yeah, they're the Superman and the Batman and the Flash of India. And uh if you ever want to learn in an easy way about India or you want to prepare yourself by the comic books, you learn so much rather than going to all the philosophy. Um <laughs> I learn more about the gods and, and not only about the gods and the stories, but also about how people act and why people act from those comic books than I did from reading the sutras and, and Upanishads myself. So yeah, definitely. Um it's it's yeah, thirty two pages like like the normal comic book. Mm -hmm. And they're available everywhere. Uh, every bookshop you can buy the complete works now. Uh, Uncle Pai, the, the author uh, of the series, died recently. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been one of the biggest losses of India in the last years. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I I did the exact same thing, honestly. I, I went out and got some of those comic books. And I, I think it's fantastic advice to, to really even start there. Um, mm -hmm. To say, look, this is a, a good introduction, but it's also a good almost complete look at, at um, these stories, uh, what the, the big things are. Because those are the stories people grew up with. And like you yeah. said, that's that's the foundation for, for how they're going. They're really easy to read. And yeah. and I would agree, too. Everything I know about uh, you know Indian spirituality or um, philosophy, uh, I would say you know a good 60, 70 percent of it came from reading through those stories and oh, yeah. i got one book that was like 365 days of of indian mythology but it was all mm -hmm. for kids but i i learned so much from that and got a yep. good view of the mahabharata everything that was there from that yeah. it was but great. that's also the neil that's also the the, the view that they had huh? mm -hmm. they grew up with the same books and the same stories they didn't read all the upanishads and i know not many people who read the mahabharata uh, okay bhagavad gita maybe but but that's about it so it's not that we know less about it it's exactly the same references that we had. I would say if there's one thing extra that you can do, it's it's uh, watch that old series. Mm. There was in, I think, in 1970s or 1980s, there was a series on Mahabharat on, on television. India stopped at that moment. <laughs> uh, trains stopped because everybody watched it. That That's what they grew up with. That's the culture. That's, yeah, uh, in America you have Star Wars. Uh, here you have Mahabharat and you have Uncle Pai. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. All right, well, uh, why don't you give a few uh, just kind of practical tips that you've you've gathered over the years that would be helpful for someone who's coming here, uh, trying to drum up some of their own business, trying to do a lot of meetings. What are some good tips you can give for them? Um, hmm. uh, take every day as it comes. Um, yeah, even when I plan now, yeah, and in Belgium we are quite anal about uh, planning. Mm -hmm. If I plan now, it's more fluids. Um, my meetings are the first half of the second half, and I'll call you when I leave my office. <laughs> yeah, um, so you need to be able to put yourself over that and, and plan loosely. Um, you have to make time, don't overbook yourself. Uh, two meetings, three meetings in a day. Deep depending where you are, is more than enough. Uh, in Bombay, you drive around more than you actually uh, meet. So I think my biggest tip would be uh, always carry a book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, It's also a good way, uh, thinking about it, it's also a good way to counter power plays. Yeah? Definitely if you have to sit in government offices or you have to sit in the post office or with the police. 
um, where they play a waiting game with you to see how fast the foreigner is getting frustrated. Just pulling out your book or, or uh, putting up your headphones and start singing along with the song is, I think, a very nice way of countering that. Uh, it also gives you an opening during the meeting to talk about what book you're reading or what music you're listening to. So that definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, it's actually, like you said, it's a very powerful technique almost to, for someone to say, okay, you know, please wait. It's going to be some time almost trying to, to tell you like, you know, don't wait mm -hmm. around because it's going to be a while. You say, okay. And you sit down and you have sure, a, no a nice book with you or something yep. like that. It's, yeah, it's sure, No problem. Yeah. Take your time. <laughs> I understand. And over here it is, yeah, uh, the longer you can make people wait, the, the, the higher your, your power points go up. So yeah, I, I don't mind. Um, I can outweigh anybody. Definitely now with all those electronic ebooks, there's 15 or 100 books on my ebook. So please continue. <laughs> and I take into account that it will take time. Yeah, right. So that's that's not a problem. That's actually yeah. one reason why I started these podcasts because I knew people in India have all sorts of downtime. There's uh, if you're commuting or if you're traveling between things, you always yeah. have you know 30 minutes slot to, to listen to something. So. Yeah, indeed, listening to something, reading a book. Uh, I'm I'm driving by rickshaw. I don't drive myself because I still think here in Ahmedabad it's the best way to get around and also the greenest way to get around with all the CNG. Mm -hmm. um, it gives me the time to to read, uh, even if it's only one chapter. Uh, I read so. Yeah, it's it's the best way to to make the time go. Yeah, and then if somebody says like, yeah, it will only take two minutes. In the beginning, I was like, uh, how many hours in your minute? <laughs> uh, now I'm like, okay, fine. I'll put myself on the site and uh, I'll start reading again. Yeah. So excellent. Good. Good. Anything else you can share with us to kind of close out? Um, yes, uh, a couple of tips. Uh, when you come over here, please be prepared. Yeah, um, India is more than just India. Uh, going to Odisha or having been in Odisha and coming to Gujarat is a completely different experience. Mm. Knowing how people in UP work and how people in Tamil Nadu work is, again, a completely different experience. So prepare yourself. Know where you're going. Um, let go. Yeah, enjoy the adventure because for me, it's still every morning I wake up with the sun in my eye, no rain, and you actually don't know what's going to happen. So take it as it comes, enjoy the uh, adventure. And yeah, uh, make sure that you have the number of a doctor before you need him. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, I had some malaria attack uh, when I was pretty recent over here. Uh, I got so violently sick within half an hour, I couldn't even leave my bed or anything. And... Well, if you don't have anybody on call, uh, that can be a major problem. So make sure that for all emergencies, you have everybody available. Use the network. Build up a network as soon as possible. Um, it's it's easy. Uh, there's a lot of organizations where you can do it formally or semi-formally. Uh, business network, for example. Um, uh, industry associations. Informal groups. Um, I started playing board games with, with friends over here and we still have our group that comes uh, together at least once or twice in a month. Um, build up your network because that's your safety net over here. Definitely. Yeah. So that one. And then my other tip would be to do everything yourself yeah, at least once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't say no to anything. Um, yes, maybe you're not sure about the quality of the food, have it, get violently sick, get better, use Indian medicines with that doctor that he gave you, but at least try it out. Um, I think 
that's the reason why you came to experience the other country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, by the way, also the same tip that I give my Indian friends who go with an SOTC tour to Europe. Mm. Like, please use a European experience. Yeah. Stop eating chapati and, and, and <laughs> your masala dosa. Eat some of our European food. Um, do it. Get, get the most out of it. Drink your cup and, and enjoy the game. Great. No, that, that's really fantastic. I, uh, I'm going to have struggles to, uh, to write up some notes on this because I always try to pull out like the best quotes or the best tips from this, but it's going to be quite long uh, to all the insights that you've given us. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Very welcome. Thanks Why for having me. Why don't you uh, give us a little bit about where we can find you, where, uh, where you are online so people can visit you. Um, I mean, under that, uh, everybody knows where to find me over here, I guess. Um, you can find me on my uh, website. That's Night Consulting. Yeah, that's uh, .co.in. Okay. Yeah, that's not the .com. That's an American company. Uh, or you can find me to LinkedIn with my full name, Patrick de Rieder. And I very irregularly tweet under the handle of uh, Patret the Night. Yeah, so that's P-A-T-R-E-D-T-H-E-K-N-I-G-H-T. All right. Well, I'll put all that in the show notes uh, so that people can contact you if they want. But uh, this Thanks, has been man. fantastic. I really enjoy your time. You're very welcome. I'm very glad to uh, have been part of it. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. This has been the Working with India podcast produced by LearningIndia.in. Please subscribe to the show to get new updates as soon as they're released. And as always, don't do India alone.